It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Couple of moves today by the Edmonton Oil Kings, including trading a gentleman who has been on this show several times over the last couple of years. Defenseman Wyatt McLeod traded to the Saskatoon Blades for a conditional pick in 2022. The Oil Kings had uh, four 20-year-olds on their roster. They had to get down to three. So McLeod is the one uh, who gets traded. Wish him the best. He was all, uh, always fun to uh, have on the show. Very well-spoken, uh, well spoken, un- unlike me saying that. And uh, an important part of the team for the last couple of years. So we wish all the best to Wyatt McLeod. All right. So the Oilers will be back at it tomorrow against the Jets. 430 face-off show game at 6 right here on 630. Ched, the double E football team looking for a new head coach. Scott Milanovic resigning, heading to the NFL. GM Brock Sunderland on Milanovic leaving on short notice. You know, up until today, there was no foregone conclusion about what he was going to do, even if there was an offer. So, um, you know, that being said, part of my job is to always be ready for a situation like this. And I've said this before, but I've learned in my lifetime being around pro football is always to expect the unexpected. So, you know, it's it's happened. And now our due diligence and our job is to go find the next head coach for the Edmonton football team. And that's what my focus is now. All right, so I cannot confirm nor deny if my next guest is going to throw his name into the ring to be the next head coach of the double E football team. I would guess not. His life doesn't really take in that path. It's Blake Dermott on the line. Hey, Blake, how's it going? I can confirm that I'm not going to be throwing my hat. <laughs> no, um, no uh, Reed, I'm doing fine, and good to, good to hear your voice. Well, nice to talk to you. We, you know, Dave and I were going to ask you to come on tonight anyway because of, of the NFL games yesterday, which we will get to. But then clearly the bombshell drops with the double E football team uh, losing the head coach. OK, I, I'm going to dive in here with the maybe uh, controversial question. Maybe it's a stupid question. Maybe you'll slap it down and, and don't worry if you feel like that's the appropriate response, because I'm not even sure if if this is something I think. But I think it's important to ask, given some of the discussions you and I had last year when we found out we weren't having a season and all these bad things happened to the league, does does a coach of this prominence, and he's a pretty well-known coach in the league, does a coach of this prominence leaving for the NFL, is that like a bad sign for the CFL? Is this another reason to be worried about the CFL, or is this just a guy pursuing an opportunity? Well, I think it, it, it could be it could be looked at as both, but I think more than anything, it's a guy pursuing an opportunity. Um, this, uh, as a uh, you know, if you're a coordinator in the in the NFL, um, uh, I, I believe those guys are making north of one million dollars, uh, somewhere between one to one point seven five million dollars U.S. If you're a uh, a head coach in Canada. I'm not even sure what the highest paid head coach in Canada is, but I'm guessing it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five hundred thousand dollars. 
So, and, and even as a unit coach, somebody like a quarterback coach, which is, of course, as we know, the, one of the highest profile uh, coaching positions on any staff outside of a coordinator position, the equivalent would be probably somewhere in that range of three to $400,000 to be that coach. So if your goal is to be in that league, then you want to be in that league coaching. Uh, and, uh, so I, I I don't I think this is an opportunity type of a thing for him, um, but it reeks of you know from the fan standpoint thinks that that, that you know that he's leaving because there's not going to be a, a league. Well I, you know when you you think about who's hiring him, there's a, a guy that he used to coach was on his staff and knows him really well and probably feels really comfortable and and uh, you know I, I I just think this was a timing thing regardless of whether or not um, he had been. Uh, if they played last year or not, I think this probably would have been something that had happened. If you're a, a player on the team, and I, I'm trying to think, I don't know if this ever happened to you per se. I know you played for more than one coach, so certainly there, there would have been changes, but this didn't happen right after the year where a coach might fire or move on if it's not a successful year. I mean, you, you, they were in the planning stages for 2021. Is this uh, is, is this a huge bummer or or have a player questioning his decision if he's someone that recently signed with the double e football team maybe because milanovic was the coach oh i think this is this is uh, certainly something that's going to uh, affect people's decisions and and people are going to have second thoughts about some decisions not everybody but some people are uh you know i think that uh that when you think about who's going to deal directly with that position you know milanovic being the head coach and offensive coordinator um, who would deal with him directly? Well, certainly the other coaches around him, but uh, but quarterbacks. And uh, there was a, a, a real high level of comf- uh, 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 of Trevor Harris being comfortable with this position and and this decision to hire him. And now he's not there, so so that's a little bit concerning. I don't think Trevor was going anywhere, anyways. But I just think that that's a person that would have had to deal directly with him now. If you think about this, the, op- the, the opportunities or the options that they have is that you take an existing person on staff and, and elevate that person to a head coaching position. And uh, so really, who's the guy that is the top of the list? Probably Thorpe. Well, he's a defensive coordinator. So now you need to bring in an offensive coordinator. So you'd have to hire somebody from an offensive side. Well, if they've already got a lot of the playbook in and they've already got a lot of the stuff in, Sometimes those guys that are offensive coordinators aren't going to come in and just absorb what's already there. They have their own system and everything else that they want to they want to start to uh, to, inst- uh, to to bring forward and institute. And and I think that that's that's a real possibility if they bring somebody in that position that everything that's been done up to this point may have to change, or a lot of it may have to change, and that could be somewhat confusing. Now, if they go out and buy and bring in an offensive coordinator slash head coach. And then they only have to hire again one person. Then, then again, that that offensive coordinator may then want to bring in some some new systems. The only guy out there that probably falls into the category of somebody that Trevor Harris feels really comfortable with is Jamie Elizondo. Um, and and uh, so he's a guy that you know you may be able to bring in a, in a system, uh, or he could bring come into the system and probably fit into it quite well because I'm sure he's seen it before. So. So there's there's a, there's a couple of guys. You got Thorpe, you got Elizondo, and then of course you got the Twitter uh, thing that happened with Chris <laughs> Jones uh, today. So so I mean, there's other things that could happen. I'm sure that the the one thing Brock Sunderland's going to do is, like you said, we're going to have to go out there and we're just going to have to start this process. 
but there's a lot of other people that are out there. There's some really good people that are out there that, uh, you know, that they could be bringing in. And uh, um, there's the one thing about this time of the year, there's tons of guys that are coaches that are, aren't working. So I'm sure that, uh, that Fox Sunderland at 10:30 when they made the announcement by 11:30 probably had 10 resumes. <laughs> what, 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 and look, if, if, if you, if you don't know enough or aren't comfortable commenting, that's fine. But what do you think of Mark Killam out of Calgary? The guy who's been there 15 years. I first met Mark Killam when I was uh, coaching the, uh, uh, I was a head coach for the North high school all-star game in 2007. And uh, I've always liked Mark Killam. Um, I'm really happy with the way Mark has elevated his position to, you know, to being one of the top, if not the top special teams guy in the league. And, uh, you know, he, and the other thing is Mark Killam's a U of A grad. He's a University of Alberta grad. He's from Lloyd, he's from Lethbridge, but, but he came and did his university up here in Edmonton. Um, so he's got some ties here. And uh, certainly as somebody as, uh, that has been a uh, professional coach, you know, you talk about guys they're doing their time and learning their, their craft. He has been, I think, a pro coach now, what, 10 or 13, 10 to 13 years, somewhere in there. So he is certainly somebody that uh, that they might want to look at. Yeah, 15 years with the Stamps, 10 as the special teams coordinator. So he, he could be an interesting guy to follow as well. Blake Dermott joining us tonight on Inside Sports, talking about the uh, E football team, and they need a new head coach with Scott Milanovic moving on. You can get more on 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Okay, first of all, I want to know something before I get to you with all the uh, analytical hoity-toity stuff, Blake. You're a New England fan. And I, I do I do feel it's important to point out you are a long-standing New England fan. You didn't start cheering for them about 20 years ago when they got good. You go all the way back, so I give you props for that. Do you find did you find yourself cheering for Tom Brady? Or did you did you separate from that relationship when he moved on to the Bucks? Oh no, I was cheering for Tom Brady. I was cheering for Aaron Rodgers too. I it was it was tough to just sit there and, and really keep my mouth shut in that game uh, watching these guys because because uh, you know there was an awful lot of times. Uh, I, I think it was probably about thirteen or fourteen when I first started following the Patriots, uh, um, and then and then there was a period of time when they weren't very good, and so I loved the uh, Green Bay Packers because they were looked like the Edmonton Eskimos. So I those are my two teams that I. I've always really enjoyed watching. And, of course, how do you not cheer for guys that are almost the same age as you? And they still do. <laughs> Tom Brady being 42 and Aaron Rodgers at 37. I, I mean, I and Aaron Rodgers being probably the MVP of the league this year. Like, I, I was really hoping for a good, close game and playing well. And, and uh, I just, at the end of the game, when th- those two quarterbacks came together and uh, Tom Brady and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers embraced, I really felt bad for Aaron Rodgers because uh, you could see it in his face. Like, it was hard to be that age and you know much like it was the week before i was cheering for drew Brees a little bit too i mean i, I when, when you see guys that have been elevated and elevated their their play to, for so long and been so competitive you really hate to see them lose because you don't know how many more losses they're going to have but but i mean i just 10 times to the super bowl uh the 10 or sorry 10 times in, in the uh, american league championship game you know and uh, uh, or NFC, sorry, the whatever the championship game that Brady's been yeah. in, it's just it's been amazing. Like, how do you? And I was driving home the other day, thinking guys were talking about you know Aaron Rodgers, you know the the argument for being the goat, and I'm like, how can there even be an argument anymore? You know, they're they're comparing him to other people, and I'm going, it's just it's not even a discussion when you consider what he is has been able to do, and especially at the age he's been able to do it at, and really when you look at him 
I don't know what what kind of what kind of medicine that he's taken or what, but but he looks like he's still like 25 years old. And I, I mean, he, he never. The, the good thing about being really uncoordinated, and not very fast, is that as you get older, you you never really lose anything. And but he's, 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 he still has the smarts and he still has the arm strength, which is what you need. And and he, it, I'm I'm not holding out a lot of hope that he's going to have a ton of success against. Kansas City next week. I think that that Kansas City team is pretty darn good, but uh, but I just the fact that he was able to you know leave the team that thought he was too old and then get to a new team and get into the Super Bowl. I mean that is to, to me one of the top sports stories in the last ten to fifteen years. All right. So in terms of some of the key moments in the game, I, I think one of the questions that's going to be asked is how do you possibly give up a long bomb touchdown? I think there was nine seconds at the snap and, and the kid scored with a second on the clock on the long yeah. throw from Brady. How does Green Bay possibly give that up? What are, what are they defending against if not that? You know, I, I, okay, you can ask the same question. Remember when uh, uh, it was probably about seven years ago with the Edmonton Eskimos against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Milt Stiegel catches that 110-yard or 100-yard pass on the last play of the game, and they need to score seven points to win. Like, those kinds of things happen. I remember the first game of our season in 2006 down in Calgary, and we just blocked the field goal with, with 35 seconds to go, and Matt Dunnigan is our quarterback, and, and we're down by six points, and he hauls off and throws a bomb that is, I think, it, from about 35-yard line, so however long that, to uh, Stephon Jones, and we score a touchdown on virtually the last play of the game to win the game. Like, how does that happen when you know that that's their only thing that they can do? How do you let that happen? It just it it's it's something that happens in, in sports, and uh, I I mean I I feel for the guy, but when you when you're playing at that level with so much on the line, you there's no excuse for not knowing what the situation is. And there was a guy not knowing what the situation was, and you know, biting on something or, or just you know uh, paying too much attention to something that isn't going to kill you. Let the guy catch the ball for 30 yards and then make a tackle. But how do you let him? you know, get in behind you and get a touchdown. I don't know. I can't explain that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think was, and good for Tampa Bay, they went for it on fourth down. I mean, maybe Green Bay's thinking, okay, they're going to call a seven-yard out and get out of bounds and kick a field goal. So maybe maybe the DBs are thinking, all right, I got to try to take that away. But, man, I mean, that that was as, as big a play as, as perhaps what I oh, – the other thing I want to ask you about, uh, not going to fourth and goal from the nine. So you still had a fair chunk of yards to make. And I know this goes back to the Jason Moss decision in the 2017 West final as well. I, I think that was third and four from the nine and, and they kicked the field goal to be down by four. I, I mean, man, I, I think I would have let, left Rogers out there because then even if you don't get it, they're starting a lot deeper than they would have been off returning a, a kickoff after the field goal. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think that, uh, I, I mean, that's the beauty about sports and life is that, you, you know, when when, uh, when it ends poorly, you're going to dissect it. And uh, if, if that would have worked out, if they would have got the ball back and would have had a chance to score, then everybody would have said that that was a decent decision. But but the reality was that, you know, at the end, at the end of the game, that was a, a, a decision that potentially uh, cost them a chance to, 
to uh, to win the game. Now, you're not guaranteed you're going to score on fourth down, but you, when you eliminate the chance, you know, just completely, what is that, that old thing about you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Well, that's exactly what happened. And I, I think that uh, um, in hindsight, that, that is a decision that they will probably uh, regret. All right, and uh, and quickly, you, you're already picking KC. I mean, they took. I, I, I've said to Jack, I didn't watch that game as closely because I was getting ready for the faceoff show and then on air. But it seemed like KC controlled it after Buffalo got that nine nothing lead. You're 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 you seem relatively confident that the, they should be able to beat the Bucks. Well, I think here's the thing, and and I I, I think that the the Bucks have a, a a pretty good defense that's been playing a little bit better than than. Uh, they, you know, they've they've had in, over the last in playoffs. They've been playing really well. They've been playing more consistent, is what I was trying to say. Um, the, uh, the the thing about uh, the Bucks have had the uh, benefit of uh, a, a number of turnovers in the last two games, and and when you think about the the interceptions that Breeze threw and and the 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 issues that they had with uh, Aaron Rodgers in the last game, it, they've 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 really given up, or they've they've been the beneficiaries of some some. Uh, a lot of help, and I can't let I can't believe that they are going to be able. To, if they count on that uh, and have to rely on that kind of thing, I got a feeling that's not going to happen three weeks in a row. All right. Well, we'll have you on before the Super Bowl, Blake, to tee it up. It is always a pleasure to have you on, buddy. I appreciate it, and and you've gave me an all time great line. When what was it? When when you never had speed or strength, you you don't notice when you lose it. Something like that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a beauty. We'll see you soon, man. That is Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst for our double E broadcast here on 6.30 Chat. Always enjoy talking football with him. It is 7.21. We'll call a timeout on Inside Sports. Thank you, mysterious voice man. practice today in Winnipeg. They will play there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Tomorrow, going for two in a row against the Jets. Tyler Ennis placed on waivers today. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Yeah, we're just looking for some flexibility in our in our lineup. There's uh, with having eight D on the roster, it kind of limits your flexibility of forwards. So uh, we'll have some forwards that uh, have the ability to go back and forth to the taxi squad. So it's uh, just flexibility more than anything, just in the in the lineup to see where we want to go. Uh, the guys in the taxi squad have worked very hard. We'd like to make sure that people are. Uh, getting an opportunity to show what they can do. Those those bottom couple lines are still kind of fairly fluid here. We're trying to find a nice uh, a rhythm there, so we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Well, the Oilers still looking for more out of their bottom six. I'm not sure at this point, uh, well, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but I'm not totally sure if they're ever going to consistently get it. Maybe they can have two really, really good top lines. Yessi Pugliarvi helped there yesterday playing up with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins.
We'd thrown him up there for a couple parts of games, but it was the first full game together, and Jesse played a strong game. And that's, that's you know, he, he played a strong game because he was relentless on the puck, a lot of the same things that we talk about Yamamoto doing all the time. So um, creating loose pucks, uh, you know, and just giving the line a really uh, workmanlike attitude because... If they can come up with pucks, they can make things happen around the offensive net. So it was uh, it was first game up there. It was a strong game. Let's hope he can uh, he can continue to push like that up there. All right. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to him. Uh, pretty good performance yesterday by Pugliarvi. Definitely figured into the action for sure. All right. We uh, – what are we – oh, we're still got another minute or so here. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought, I thought Pugliarvi played pretty well. I, I mean, straight lines to the net taking up space and look calmer with the puck. I, I think we saw him make some plays earlier in the season where he looked like he was rushing or he looked nervous, some shorter passes that he didn't put a lot of touch on that he kind of hacked at. There was that shot he tried earlier in the season. He got across the blue line and fanned on it and fell down much more under control. I remember I was reading some quotes a few years ago from John Wooden, the late great coach of the UCL basketball team. And, players were were listing off these you know inspirational or helpful quotes that he would give them and he used to say to them be quick but don't rush and, and i think that might sum up Pugliarvi. He he was trying to make plays but he was rushing i mean you can make a quick play without being clumsy and hurrying about it so be quick but don't rush and i think Pugliarvi was able to do that last night we're back after the 7 30 news and weather inside sports on jet So the only NHL game tonight has the Senators taking on the Canucks. It will start in about half an hour. So a quiet Monday in the National Hockey League. Oilers, Jets tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show game at 6 here on 6.30. Jed Edmonton now 3-4. and four. The Jets are 4-2. and two. Of course, we're going to see this throughout the season, playing a team two games in a row, sometimes even three games in a row. There are some singles where the Oilers will just play an opponent once before moving on to another series. But kind of the baseball-style format, and Connor McDavid doesn't mind it. Honestly, I've quite liked it. Um, I think this is something that uh, NHL should definitely look at. Um, just so much better on the body to not travel each and every night on the road. Um, you know, just to be able to get a good night, good night's rest uh, on the road is, uh, is so valuable, and I think, uh, I think it's something they should look at for sure. All right. Well, it. Uh, I think the NHL is going to look at this for future seasons, cutting down on travel, maybe playing these series. I, I, I mean, maybe they don't go back to a full East-West interlocking schedule. And I know there were other years they did that. Remember coming out of the lockout, they increased the, the lockout that wiped out the whole season. They increased the number of divisional matchups and you would play every team once, but you wouldn't necessarily play every team home and away. They may go back to that. I mean, maybe there'll be some sort of a rotation where you you wouldn't play a, a, another division in a year. So maybe you'd play everybody in your division a certain number of times. You'd play the other division in your conference a certain number of times. And then you would just play one division in the other conference, either home or away or just in one building. And I, 
uh, personally, I think it makes sense. If you're going to cut down on travel, keep the players healthier, keep the players more rested. If they do those things, that means better games and that means better games for fans to watch. So maybe, you know, we're not going to have a Canadian division next year, but if the Oilers are back in the Pacific, they're going to have a six-game road trip where they go L.A., L.A., Anaheim, Anaheim, and San Jose, San Jose, and it's all done in one trip. So you're not flying down to California again later on in the year. I think that's something to keep in mind that could come out of this pandemic-affected season. Meanwhile, the Double E football team looking for a head coach after the resignation of Scott Milanovic, who's going to the NFL. Scott uh, Brock Sunderland was on with Morley and Dave earlier and was asked if there are any internal candidates. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to contemplate everybody, and certainly Noel's been around a long time. I've been a coordinator and been on lists. He's been on lists that I've had before about potential head coach candidates. So, um, you know, I think that's as far as I'll elaborate on, on names and lists. But, yeah, there will be people that will certainly consider who are within the organization. All right, and that would be Noel Thorpe, obviously, the defensive coordinator, who I would think would be a candidate for the job. So another storyline to follow for the double-E football team. Another storyline that I have been following, and I'm sure many of you as well, and I know it's a ways away, but uh, we do have an ongoing story here for uh, people like me who uh, get out and do some, uh, some runs in the summer, take part in some events. What's happening? Now, we are going to look ahead, but we do have some news to tell you. John Stanton is on the line. He's the president and founder of The Running Room. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, Reed. Good to talk to you. Now you did not run outside. My running is going on a treadmill. I'm just saying, <laughs> you, you did not run outside today, did you? No, I, I reverted to a treadmill today, too. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, I, I, I'm sure some people went out today. I don't know how they do it in the cold and with the ice. I don't know how they do it. Well, it's the ice that's the challenge more than the cold. The cold you can actually deal with. It's not too bad. But the uh, ice is where you got to be very careful. And uh, with the little skiff of snow that's out there right now, it's uh, pretty treacherous out there with the temperatures right now. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know how people do it. I'm happy I got the treadmill. It's it's been perfect. <laughs> okay. So, and I know there's a little bit on the Edmonton Marathon uh, website, which, which I know isn't until August, but people often plan their running calendar a long time ahead, and, and, uh, and the running room and other event organizers have been thrown into a bit of a strange situation. I, any clarity on what you will or will not do as, as you go into the running season and head towards August? Well, that's so true. You know, getting ready for a marathon takes uh, 16 to 18 weeks. And if people are going to run a marathon or half marathon, uh, they need to set a target and and plan for it and uh, go through the training process. And, you know, with uh, putting on a marathon uh, entails a a lot of organization and a lot of uh, moving parts. And, you know, with the Service Edmonton Marathon, we've got a great sponsor in services, a title sponsor of the marathon. However, you know, without the City of Edmonton and all their facilities and uh, first responders that are involved in putting on a marathon, you know, you've got 26 miles or 42 kilometers of road where you've got to shut down and you've got to have that traffic control on there. You've got to have emergency response people available in case you have an incident along the, the roadway. Uh, the home base for the uh, marathon uh, 
for the last few years has been at the uh, convention center, which is a fabulous uh, facility. But it, of course, is being used right now as a shelter for for people. So in meeting with the city of Edmonton and uh, with service and all the players involved in it, uh, the decision has been made to make this year's event a virtual event and uh, plan for 2022 because, uh, you know, when we look at it, uh, the first responder people are just stretched to the limit because of COVID. Uh, the city is uh, stretched to the limit with their resources because they're dealing with uh, reduced staffing staffing, and, and uh, trying to deal with a lot of... Uh, issues that they have because of COVID as well. So from a practical standpoint, uh, we said we, we can't put on a, a real race this year. The virtual races have, have caught on. Uh, you know, Boston has done one, London has done one. Uh, the big races have, have uh, opted to do them because of COVID. And the response from the community has actually been intriguingly good. Uh, people are, are kind of saying that, okay, I can run a marathon. Uh, you pick a time and, and uh, you know, they, instead of having to run on a particular day, you can run within a time period and run 42 kilometers or 21.1 kilometers if you're in a half marathon. And then you can still get a medal. You can still, uh, you record your time and submit your time and you can rank yourself against other people and see how you did. Uh, but, you know, you'll run your course and, uh, you know, somebody in Calgary could run the Edmonton Marathon without actually coming to Edmonton. They can do the 21-kilometer run in Calgary or they can do it in London, England if they happen to be there. So it's an opportunity for people to, to uh, participate in it. If people don't want to uh, be part of the virtual run, uh, they can roll over to 2022. Uh, when, you know, hopefully with the vaccine and everything, we'll be back to some sense of normality in, in the community. But for for 2021, uh, you know, it'll be a virtual event. And we're working with New Balance, who's a title sponsor of uh, the event as well. And uh, we're going to come up with some really neat swag for people so that in addition to the medal and the T-shirt and the normal stuff that they get at the event, there's also going to be another uh, attractive item, and it'll be a, probably a clothing item of some sort uh, that will entice people to join in the virtual run. They can still raise funds for their charity if they have a charity of choice that they want to raise funds for. So it's uh, it's going to make the best of the, the situation that's here. And it's not just us. I mean, I, I mean, uh, there's a lot of doubt on the Olympics in Japan this year. And if the Olympics can't put on an event, uh, I don't think the Edmonton Marathon should be putting on an event either. All right. Well, that was a pretty good summary. I had other questions. I think you answered. You see, you you're, you read my mind at this point, John. You've come on the show so much because I was going to ask you how a virtual race would work, but you you, you pretty much you pretty much covered it off. Well, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I know you I know you had to kind of make a decision sooner sooner rather than than later oh, yeah. for people are wondering yeah. you know why we're talking about an august event but you, you said it if, if we don't know about the vaccine and we don't know if people can gather yeah. or how they yeah. can gather you know you, you kind of have to decide here you couldn't you couldn't decide this july 30th for a race on on august 18th 
Well, that's so true, Reed. And as a runner, you know how, how important it is for, for runners to participate in a race. And as a runner ourselves and uh, everybody on our team, we looked at it and agonized uh, over it uh, with, with uh, service and uh, the city of Edmonton. And collectively, we just all said the same thing and said it, it's just not practical. And, you know, if uh, the Olympics can't put, put a show on, we better not try to put a show on either. And let's look at alternatives. And we think that we've come up with a fun alternative that people have experienced and uh, success with. Uh, we did a virtual run for our resolution run. It was highly successful with the uh, the brick uh, resolution run and uh, we did Santa's shuffle which raises funds for Salvation Army it still raised a lot of funds for Salvation Army people ran and did the Santa shuffle on their own time at their own uh, distance and uh, it created a fun event uh, people still got uh, a medal or whatever the advice is that it's involved in it so there's still a bling available for people who are running for that and uh, if you're running for bragging rights you can still record your time and it'll be recorded and you can compare it to other people if you have a challenge that you want to challenge a neighbor or challenge a brother somewhere that uh, you want to take on a challenge and uh, so there's, there's still opportunity for people to, to get in shape in the spring and get that fitness level up and enjoy it over the summertime. All right. Well, we appreciate the update, John, and, and we're obviously still going to talk uh, talk running along the way here, especially when we get uh, into the warmer weather, when more people will be returning to uh, the outdoors to get in their runs, which is which is always a lot of fun. I, I know you're a big sports fan. Did you what? Were you did you were you able to see the buzzer beater last night? Unbelievable. <laughs> you like that, did you? <laughs> I don't know if, if there's a running comparison. It'd be like passing a guy, I, I suppose, in the last two meters of a race. Don't walk away for a popcorn. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, The people who went to bed early last night were kicking yeah, themselves this morning. Right. Hey, John, thanks for checking in. Of course, it's- another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's always a pleasure. I will talk down the road and uh, please keep in touch, okay? Thanks, Reed. Great talking to you. That is John Stanton, the president and founder of The Running Room. So I wanted to get that out there uh, just for fellow runners. Edmonton Marathon, always in August, going to be a virtual event this year, and they'll try to do it uh, under the traditional conditions in 2022. But John just outlined uh, why they've already had to make that decision and some things they are are looking to do here when we get a little closer to that date. A, a virtual run, you know, kind of run on your own time, do the distance, record, uh, record your result and all that kind of stuff. All right. 745 we got to call a quick timeout uh kellen and i will let you know how we did on our guaranteed to be correct uh nfl picks from last week you could also chime in on the open line if you want to talk a little oilers if you want to uh tell me what you think about the double e football team and uh their search for a head coach if you think there's a candidate out there that you like would you would you like to see chris jones come back whatever you want 780-496-0063 
right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Tyler Ennis has been placed on waivers by the Edmonton Oilers. Here's what uh, I think is happening. They put Ennis on waivers. If uh, he gets picked up, he gets picked up. If he clears, then they can put him on the taxi squad. Then he wouldn't have to clear waivers for another month so they could move him back and forth. Then I I think they're going to activate Evan Bouchard off the uh, taxi squad. Bob and I talked a little bit about this last night on the face-off show. I think Bouchard plays tomorrow. That is my prediction at this exact moment. I think they go with 7-D unless... I mean, I mean, I don't know, do you scratch Barry or Larson at, at, at this point? I don't know if they would quite go that far. Um, you basically played with 11 forwards last night because Ennis was hardly on the ice. He only played six minutes. I think they go 11 and 7 tomorrow whenever you want to get that fourth line out or I guess anybody on, in the bottom five, I suppose, off the off the bottom two lines. You could cycle in an extra shift for McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, or or even Yamamoto if he's having a good game, and he usually has along the way. So that's how I think the Oilers are going to approach tomorrow's game, but uh, we will find out once we get to the morning skate. Bob Stauffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow, and he'll be able to fill you in on some of that stuff, and the face-off show will start at 4.30. All right, Kellen Kennedy and I, Kellen's back at the 6.30 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Hello. We did our guaranteed-to-be-correct NFL picks on uh, Thursday, because uh, we had a hockey game Friday, so we did the picks on Thursday. Mm. I picked Green Bay to win 24-14. That was incorrect. I picked Kansas City to win a close game, 27-23. Didn't get the score, but I got the winner. So I was a very mediocre 7-5 and five in my guaranteed-to-be-correct uh, NFL picks. Slightly mm. better than a monkey flipping a coin. There you go. That is my claim to fame. I'm going to put that on my resume. To whom it may concern, I would like to apply for the job of customer service representative at the Strathcona location of Blockbuster Video. My skills include being better at picking sporting events than a monkey flipping the coin. My references include Kellen Kennedy and Cam Moon. You'd be one of my references. Okay. Kellen picked Tampa Bay 21-12. You got Brady on the road. You did not get hmm. Buffalo on the road. No. Nope. 32 and 26. You unfortunately wound up a little worse than a monkey flipping a coin <laughs> with a record of five and seven. You kind of stumbled out of the gate on that wild card weekend. That's so uh, that's you went, you went five and seven. That's wild that we palindromed ourselves though. Seven and five, five and seven. There we go. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> all right. You like you like the palindromes. That's well, so do I. I don't know if the records like that are exactly palindromes, but that's okay. Yeah. So we'll do Super Bowl picks. Well, next week, obviously, before yeah. the Super Bowl. We got two weeks to think about it. Maybe we'll get some monkeys in to flip some coins. I don't know. There you go. We should do that. We, we should do that. We should have a team of inside sports monkeys. <laughs> they would just sit around and and flip coins, and we'd keep track of stuff. And... Uh, then we'd have results, and I guess we'd we'd feed them all the canned hams. We'd they they'd, they'd yeah. have to live in the they'd live in the Ched warehouse, probably in better conditions than whatever zoo they're in. Yeah, 
Well, You'd have to hire somebody to take care of them. Well, uh, you could take care of them. You're at the station still. I would say it would be an easier sell about a week or so ago before the cold weather <laughs> to get, the, you know, any sort of exotic animal into the building. But there we go. Were you Well, how do you know? Were you trying to get others in? What were you trying to get in? A rare iguana, perhaps? Well, what do you think? Uh, I play every, <laughs> when we do the name the animal. That's not tape. That's actual animals, man. <laughs> so like, that was a real animals. cougar named Mac that was... <laughs> You know, speaking I, in the microphone. By the way, I don't know if it's going on air this way, but you are shockingly loud in my headphones. So I, I, I don't know if that's going out on air like that. How's but that? It, it was it was crackling in my headphones. I just thought I'd let you know, just in case. That that's much better. You're a much milder Kellen Kennedy now. I know ah, you're excited. Gotcha. All right. So Kellen five and seven in the NFL picks. Uh, me seven and five. So. I don't know what that means. I don't know how we did last year. We didn't nail any scores, but we do it for fun, and they are guaranteed to be correct. When, when we do the Super Bowl, we usually open it up to listeners to uh, write in or call in with their predictions just because it's fun to do that sort of thing. Okay, so I mentioned in the NHL tonight, there's uh, only one game. It hasn't started yet. It's the Senators and the Canucks. The Canucks are 2-5. and five. Ottawa is 1-3-1. One, and one. So somebody will make up a couple of points on the orders it's it's really been uh interesting to watch the the results so far watch some of the games and the the, the thing is though i am i am virtually paying no attention to the other divisions <laughs> i mean all the hockey night in canada games are just going to be all canadian matchups so I, I might lose touch with some of the other divisions a little bit but uh you know seeing montreal and vancouver play on the weekend ottawa and winnipeg and then the Oilers last night. I guess you, if it wasn't for football, I would have watched more of Calgary and Toronto, but I wanted to watch the football since it's so late in the season. Montreal, very impressive. They got a record of 4-0-2. The Leafs are 5-2. The Leafs were pretty much a consensus pick to finish high up in the division. Montreal was all over the map. Uh, I picked Montreal fifth before the season. I, I just didn't think they had enough uh, high-end talent. But as we can see, they, they are incredibly deep. Now, look, in a, in a couple of weeks, these standings could totally change. If you want a, uh, if you want a really good uh, read, one of, the, one of the people I like to follow, and we, we've, we've had him on the show a couple of times in the past. His name is Sunil Agnihotri, and he writes sort of uh, advanced stats and uh, analytics type stuff. And I find I'm, I'm going uh, to actually retweet him right now and just say here is the article. I was just referencing on Inside Sports. I'm tweeting this as we speak. Sunil, Sunil writes good stuff. He's he's a down-to-earth guy. Uh, he's a very nice guy. He's very reasonable. He's very logical. He loves the Oilers. He loves hockey. And I find some of the advanced stats stuff I read, and I, I feel like I am – and this is not everybody. This is not – as I've said this a million times, this is not a guy in the media against – bloggers or people who do advanced analytics so i'm not talking about everybody in that universe um but i for for me personally i feel that sometimes when i read an article about advanced stats and advanced analytics or or analytics in hockey i feel like that there's that tone of i'm being how i've told how stupid i am by these people and that they're just trying to convince me that they have figured out hockey they have all the answers, and there's no compromise. That's the only way it is. And I find that irritating and disengage me, and it makes me not to want to read the stuff that they're writing. Now, there's a lot of people who aren't like that, who are really good, and I think uh, Sunil is, is one of them. 
I, I think his stuff is very accessible. I think his approach is very uh, down to earth and, uh, and from an instructive standpoint and from a, a discussion type standpoint. And that's why I, I like his stuff. And he's written some very good things about the North Division. Are we done already, Kellen? What happened to the rest of the show? It's time to go. Did the, did the monkeys steal the final minutes of the show? Did Yo, monkeys, give me back my canned abs. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is the one and only Kellen Kennedy. I'll talk to you at 4.30 tomorrow for the face-off show. Oilers and Jets will face off at 6 o'clock. My name's Reed. Take care, everybody. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.